gentlemen, let's kick this off. Okay, hello, welcome to the Women of Marvel panel here at New York Comic Con. My name is Judy Stevens. I am the co-host of the Women of Marvel podcast and panel, and I am a producer with the Marvel New Media team. I work on tons of amazing short-form content, including Marvel Becoming and Marvel Quick Draw, and I go by she, her. Yeah, Judy, great intro. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, look, it's Sana. Uh-oh. Hey, dudes. Okay, my name is uh, Sana Amanath. I'm VP of Content and Character Development. I've done a lot of things across the company, made some comics, helped make uh, Kamala Khan, helped make Marvel Rising. Yay! Uh, super excited. And, of course, co-host of uh, Women of Marvel, and we like to show that extra Photoshopped you love this me. image. She was so, you, were, you had just gotten from back from vacation. Yeah, it was, I look fantastic. You look amazing. <laughs> it's not real life, guys. <laughs> um, and I go by the pronoun she, her. That's it. That's all I got. Um, we are very <laughs> excited to be joined by Lauren Shippen. <laughs> Lauren is uh, recently announced the writer of the Marvels podcast. Yes. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so I'm Lauren Chippen. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm a podcaster and author, and I wrote a fiction podcast for Marvel called Marvels that will be coming out later this year, and it's an adaptation of the Kurt Busiek, Alex Ross graphic novel from the 90s, and is about Phil Sheldon, the photographer, and uh, his work and life in the aftermath of the Galactus attack. Yes, awesome. And we're also joined by Mackenzie Lee. So, Mackenzie recently just released a YA book, Loki, Where Mischief Lies. We actually have a couple copies to give away during Q&A. That picture of my face is too big. Um, <laughs> I am uncomfortable. Um, uh, I'm Mackenzie Lee. I am a young adult author. I've recently joined Marvel uh, to work on a series of YA novels about anti-heroes in the Marvel Universe. The first one is Loki, Where Mischief Lies. It just came out. Um, it is about young teenage Loki, sort of earlier than we usually see him in the Marvel canon, um, trying to figure out who he is and what his place in the universe is and whether he's destined to be a hero or a villain, and all while solving a series of Jack the Ripper-esque murders in 19th century London. Ooh. So there's a little bit of everything in there. Very cool. And... Oh, it's me. Hi, Vita. <laughs> it's me. It's Vita. Look at that great picture. <laughs> yes. Well, why don't you introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Vida Ayala. I'm a freelance comic book writer. I I've previously written things for Marvel, uh, like Prisoner X, which was uh, an X-Men book, and a couple of issues of Shuri, which was a lot of fun. I miss, I miss writing Shuri. <laughs> and uh, right now I'm working on Morbius, the living vampire, the science vampire for Marvel, and I'm also working on a redacted X-Men book. <laughs> And my pronouns are they, them. Uh, I put on my hat that says that so I'd remember that. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Hi, everybody. I am Beth Bryson, and I am the project manager for Parks and Resorts. I go by the pronoun she, her. And I am currently working on the Avengers Campus projects that we're bringing to Disney California Adventure in Anaheim, as well as Paris, and the Stark Expo in Hong Kong, and Disney Cruise Lines. <laughs> and when I'm not working on Disney parks, you can find me up at the Marvel booth, running around and helping my team run the show at all of our conventions. We're also joined by Marsha Griffin. Yeah, Marsha. Hi. Yeah, Marsha. <laughs> uh, Hi, everybody. My name is Marsha Griffin. Uh, full disclosure, that picture is actually at a bar mitzvah. 
so I am Vice President of Animation, uh, both current and development, uh, located in Los Angeles. And uh, my pronouns are she and her. I help oversee uh, all of the animated content, all of the family entertainment animated content. So all of the shows, uh, Spider-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, Black Panther, and we have a couple of new shows coming up that I'll tell you about. And that's what my job is. And we're incredibly excited to be joined by Sandra Sad, who is the performance actor of Kamala Khan in Marvel's Avengers. This was announced on Friday. It has been a secret inside all of our brains for so long, and we're so excited to talk about it. Oh my gosh. Um, I'm going to reintroduce myself because I want to hear myself say it out loud. Uh, I am Sandra Sad, and I play Kamala Khan in Marvel. Um, I'm an actor. I'm honored to be here. I love Marvel so much, uh, and I go by she, her. So, so let's talk about these amazing covers, Judy. You know, we like to kick off this panel every year with sort of talking a little bit about where we've come from and where we are. Years ago when we started this panel and this podcast, there was like maybe one female-led title. And now there are so many that we can't all fit them on one slide. And they are for all ages, they're for all types of stories and characters from Valkyrie to Miss Marvel to Squirrel Girl to Black Hat to Black Widow to Dr. Afra. Like, it is amazing. There is a comic out there for you. And a little bit of what, you know, we look at these comics and obviously this is, this is where we're going. But also these panelists on the stage is also where we're going. This is the future of the next generation of Marvel and Marvel. And we're going to talk a lot about how you guys can interact with all of our amazing characters. And I want to say that we talked about uh, at last San Diego about it was our 10-year celebration of Women of Marvel panels at San Diego. And we talked about where we've come from and what we've accomplished. And this is sort of where we're going. Every panelist up here has accomplished different things across Marvel. We started out in comics, and now we've expanded in so many different kinds of disciplines. So it's really cool to see all the different kinds of things people are doing. And I'm really excited to talk to everyone about yeah. it. Yeah. Also, before we get to that, we've got some exclusive art Ooh. and announcements to show you. Ooh. Ooh that's, that's so tough. recently announced, the acclaimed series written by Kelly Thompson, Jessica Jones' Blind Spot, is going to be coming to physical print form. You guys are going to be able to pick it up. We've got a new cover by Valerio Giordano and um, Mar Marcio Mendez. And like, it's amazing. It's coming soon. And we also, this was just announced oh, on wow. Thursday. What? Star number one, out soon. What's out January 2020. <laughs> January 2020. I've got the date. We're ready. We're go. good. That's why we balance each other out, Judy. Yes, exactly. So let's get talking to our panelists. Sandra, we're so happy to have you in the Marvel family, to have you playing Kamala Khan. I know this is very special for you. When, when the announcement happened at the games panel a couple of days ago, you were like jittering and doing like these big sighs and it's really emotional for you. Why, why does this mean so much and, and how has the whole experience been? Oh my gosh. It's, I feel such a close connection with Kamala. Uh, like honestly, like thank you so much for creating her. For, for people who grew up like me, who didn't have somebody to look up to like Kamala. I'm a first-generation American, like Kamala. My parents are immigrants, and it's hard to connect. It's hard to connect with 
you know, the people you, you're growing up with at school. It's hard to connect with, you know, also the people back home, like, you know, in your parents' country. So, so growing up having someone who looks a little bit like you in a video game or, or, you know, in a comic book that you can read about, who is strong, who is resilient, who, who overcomes, you know, feeling like the other, you know, who has also insecurities and to know that it is totally okay to have these insecurities. It's normal. It doesn't make you weird. It's, it's important to me. I, I grew up always knowing 100% that I wanted to be an actor. And I grew up with like Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. <laughs> and like, I didn't look like them. So it was hard. I, 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 I was always like, am I ever gonna be an actor? Because I don't, I don't look like these people or like I don't understand all of these references. So, so now that I am Kamala Khan, <laughs> uh, or, you know, or that I'm playing her, I, I do feel that, I feel so much strength in myself, in all my weirdnesses, you know, it's, and it's fine. And I, I'm now finally able to connect with them and, and embrace them more because she does. So awesome. Will, Willow and Sandra were uh, backstage. Uh, Jewel wasn't the writer of Ms. Marvel. were backstage yesterday at the booth and like speaking like Arabic. And I'm like, what? how is this happening? I'm like, we're at Marvel and I've got two people working at Marvel who know how to speak Arabic. Oh, man. It's we were crazy. shouting Arabic at each other. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. I mean, it's amazing. We all grew up with games, right? And like podcasts. Obviously, we're on a podcast. But like, you know, being able to take Marvel and our Marvel characters into the next to the next genre, in the next medium, and, and seeing Marvels on Stitcher Premium is amazing. I mean, Lauren, can you talk a little bit about writing this and coming onto this project and like how it meant to tackle something, a 25-year-old amazing series? Yeah, it was, really, it was really daunting. It was really scary. I've been such a huge fan of Marvel for so long that getting the opportunity to write anything for Marvel was like, oh my God, this is it. This is the big time. This is the dream. And then to take a comic that is so iconic and so accoladed and has these beautiful Alex Ross panels that I have to then somehow translate into a, a medium that doesn't have any visuals. It was really, really scary. But I was really fortunate to, you know, to get to work with the amazing people in, in Marvel development and also work with two collaborators that I've worked with a lot before. Paul Bay, who um, is a podcaster who directed the show, and then Misha Stanton, who's a sound designer I've been working with for my entire podcasting career, who will be sound designing, or currently is sound designing Marvels. It was really nice to know who I would be passing this thing off to once I was done with the scripts. And it was just so exciting to have so much source material to get to pull from because the Galactus invasion is, you know, one of the first really huge events in the, in the 1960s and, and the Fantastic Four story. And so to get to read back on 50 years of... Fantastic Four comics and, you know, and, and 50 years of Ben Urich and 30 years of Phil Sheldon and really dig into these characters and try and understand how different writers approach their voices and find a way that was my own approach, but that still was very much in the spirit of all of these characters was, again, daunting, but a lot of fun. And uh, to get to, yeah, to get to write some really iconic characters and, and get to write It's Clobberin' Time and things like that and Flame On was, was just really surreal and cool. Yeah. And then the thing that I, I love about Marvel is the, the groundedness of all of the characters and the fact that even when characters are dealing with 
universe-ending stakes. It's still so much about their relationships with each other and you know, especially the Fantastic Four being this family and, and Phil Sheldon being a family man who is someone who doesn't have superpowers. He's just a photographer who takes pictures of the Marvels and he, he loves it, but he also feels really conflicted about the fact that he is helpless oftentimes in the face of these large events. And so to get to play with all of those really grounded human dynamics with the backdrop of an alien coming to devour the entire world was just so much fun. Well, what I love about what you're doing is that we're telling Marvel stories in different formats. And over the last couple of years, um, we've had a lot of success telling Marvel stories in the young adult format and middle grade. And Mackenzie Lee has joined us to write the young adult series, Loki. I should say New York Times best-selling series, Loki. Yeah. And you are a young adult author. What was it like to bring your experience and background to the Marvel Universe? And what was it about Loki in particular that got you excited and intrigued? So I am a young adult author. I've written primarily uh, historical fiction for young people in the past. And so part of the pitch for this project was not only writing about anti-heroes in the Marvel Universe, but also writing about them uh, in a historical context. And so the idea of Loki making mischief in history was like very much, very on brand for me. Um, no one was surprised when I told them I was writing this book. The, the process of, of bringing Loki into a young adult novel was, was much more challenging than I thought it was going to be. I was, I was a fan fiction writer as a teen and sort of that's where I learned how to write and I, I cut my teeth doing fan fiction and so I thought well, now I'm just doing fan fiction professionally. Like, this is going to be easy. I've been practicing this for so many years. And uh, I, I got really in my own head about it. And I got really, really stressed. And I was reading all these comics and reading all this mythology and all these sort of different versions of Loki and then trying to make the Loki in my book every version of Loki that has ever existed. Because I, I'm like, everybody, everybody comes to Loki with some idea of who he is. And so I got to make sure everything's in there. And for me, when, when it really, really clicked together was when I sort of let go of all of that previous source material. Like I kind of absorbed it and then released it and had to accept that like my Loki was not going to be, it was not going to be Jack Kirby's Loki. It wasn't going to be Tom Hiddleston's Loki. It wasn't going to be Neil Gaiman's Loki. It was going to be mine. And that's part of why I was being brought onto this project was to bring, to bring my unique voice and, and perspective to this character. And he's such a, he's such a, a delight as a writer and kind of a dream as a writer to, to play with because he's so unpredictable. He's so, he has, to use a Dungeons and Dragons term, chaotic, like the chaotic energy and just sort of you, you never know who he's, whose side he's going to be on. And especially at this point in his life where he's so early in the canon, he also really does not know whose side he's on. And to, to write about that sort of moment of discovery and that moment of young people deciding what kind of adults they're going to be is always the most exciting thing for me about writing young adult fiction and so to get that to bring that to such an iconic marvel character was was incredibly incredibly lucky and definitely a career highlight clearly congratulations on the success <laughs> All right, switching back gears to comics, because we're all comics nerds here. It's where we all started. It's where we were born. Yes, I was born in, on the pages of a comic book. That's true. I saw that. <laughs> yeah. It was true weird. Story. It was real weird. Here I am, like Gwenpool. Here I am. 
so, okay, I love, I love your story because you've been writing for a while, but you started out at Marvel in the last like year or so. Yep. And now you're writing Morbius. I sure am, the science vampire with Which the deep V there. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that cover. It is. Look at that deep V. That's beautiful. I was asked beautiful. specifically not to put him in the like, the '90s like leather outfit, and I was like, I have no control, but uh, you know. <laughs> You're okay with that. So, what has been your process getting into the gear of writing for Marvel in particular, and and now writing for a class, a pretty classic Marvel character too? What's what's that entire experience been like? It's pretty intense. You know, I, one of my first comic books was an X-Men comic book. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I see Polaris up here. That's right. I've also written Polaris. I'm a big fan of yours. Um, it's interesting because I, I, you know, before working for Marvel, I've, I've written other superhero comic books for other companies, but there's something very singular about working with Marvel characters. And so with every project that I approach, I do a deep dive <laughs> as well. I'm just like, I'm going to absorb as much as possible. And then I cry a lot. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, what, what really, what it is, is I go through the canon and I have to think about what is relevant to the stories that we need to hear now. And, you know, what is it about the character that I connect to and how can I elevate and highlight that? Um, so I, I was lucky enough, like I said before, to write Shuri for two issues. And, like, there is much more history behind Shuri than people are aware, I think. Um, and so, and, and uh, even a new character like Spider-Gwen, I got to write an annual for her. I, you know, I was sitting there going, all right, this is this type of character. Why do we need her? What about her is important right now? And with Morbius, you wouldn't think, because he's like, a, you know, he's a vampire. He, he bites people. We saw it before on the yeah, screen. Why do we need uh, that? He's a bitey guy. <laughs> why do we need a blood-sucking vampire? I love him, my science vampire. Um, <laughs> but I thought to myself, all right, there's something about this character that is important because he's persisted for so long, right? What is it about this character that's important? And to me, one of the things that I really connected with was this kind of like intense drive to improve the self so much so that you are actually messing that up and making it worse. And I think that most people can really identify with that, right? You just wanna be your best self, right? But what does that mean to the people around you and how do you do that in a way that's not harmful? And so I read like, I don't know, like a hundred, whatever he was in. Every, every, I read every comic on Marvel Unlimited, just all of them, every single one, even ones that weren't, weren't connected at all. No, um, no, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of how I prepare. I, I find my connection to the character, um, and Morbius in particular, I'm nothing like Morbius, right? So like, he's a older Greek guy who was a Nobel Prize winning scientist. I, I can, believe in you. No. You can do it. I can barely tie my shoes. <laughs> my wife dresses me in the morning. <laughs> um, Velcro shoes. <laughs> she bought me these shoes. <laughs> Did not buy me. She shops for you. She shops for me. Um, I want to look good. I, I, there's no way I can compare, but I, you know, I had to. I had to do my best. Um, I've learned. All right. <laughs> Come with the fresh shoes and the nice hat, and then. But yeah, so uh, with, with Morbius, I really wanted to find a thing that was universal, that all of us could connect to, and then kind of make him suffer with that. 
that's our job as writers, right? We make them suffer. We make them suffer so that there's catharsis at the end of the story. And also, this is, uh, I'm not gonna spoil, spoil anything, don't worry. But uh, I got to create a new character as a foil for Morbius, um, and that is relevant to this panel because that character is also very much not like Morbius in the way that we are not like Morbius. That's all I'll say, that's all I'll say. I am intrigued. Um, not allowed to say anything else, otherwise a trap door will open. Uh, but there That's it is. That's true. <laughs> well, we actually, we actually have some art. Yes. Oh, exclusive art. Exclusive oh! art. Whoa! I didn't see it inked. My gosh. Uh, yeah. Art by Marcella Ferreira. Wow, what's happening there? That is a lot of detail. That's beautiful. His layouts are stick figures with really cute chibi faces, so that's truly different than what you see here. <laughs> um, <laughs> very different. So uh, we wanted to kind of reintroduce the idea of a science vampire to people, right? Morbius hasn't been around for a couple of years, and so we start in a lab, and again, I'm not going to tell you too much about what's going on, but basically for the first half of the comic book Morbius is the boogeyman that is basically stalking this lab. And then that is the full reveal, the first time you see him out of the shadows. And I got that page in the mail, and that not the mail, the email. I'm old. Uh, <laughs> I got it in the email, the electronic mail, and then I, uh, I started crying because it's so beautiful. <laughs> and also scary. I'll never sleep again. Yeah, so there we definitely go. scary. Well, issue number one is on sale November 13th. Make sure you guys go pre-order that in your comic book shop or get ready to download it on the Marvel Digital Comics. Yeah. So we're going from comics to... Rides. How many of you guys like rides? Ooh. What? Hopefully that's a yes for everyone. So Avengers Campus is coming. You talked a little bit about this, Beth. You have some amazing um, concept art that we're going to show. I mean, I'm excited for this. What are we looking at? Yeah. Wow. Um... First of all, hi everyone. This is my first time doing a panel. Yeah! <laughs> so I'm a little nervous. Newbie! But also, She's thank you so much baby. for having me. I absolutely love theme park life. Uh, I come from a history of, of working in theme parks. My first real job was working at Disneyland <laughs> as an entertainment cast member there. So getting the chance to step into a place where I'm now working on these expansions bringing these characters who we all love and see on pages and screens all the time to life so that we, I, you'll see there are people here in this image. That's us. That's the guests <laughs> who are going to have an opportunity to now sling webs just like Spider-Man in our attraction that's going to be opening at uh, what I call DCA. It's from my days back in the parks, but Disney California Adventure. How many of you guys have ever wanted to sling webs like Spider-Man? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's so... Yeah. I've done some test rides. It's so hard. Your life sucks. Man. It's really cool. Hey, 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 I would like to do a test ride. Can I it's do a very, test ride? How many of you guys have done test rides up here? There are a couple of us that have, test that have done it. It's, it's really cool. Very fun. Yeah, how do we get yeah. on it? Yeah, yeah, hey, we, hey. Yeah, let us are we know. going right now? I've opened a can of worms. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you need, like, your laundry done or something? Or Yeah, it's parents, like a very, right? it's like a very, yeah, it's yeah, like a super, super secret pause. But we all get to do it next year in 2020 when this attraction opens in Anaheim at Disney California Adventure. That's what we're looking at right now on this screen. So this is sort of an overview. There's a lot going on in this image. I could probably talk about this image 
for most of the day, but I will not do that. I will, however, uh, draw your eye to the little red building. It's sort of in the middle-ish of the screen there. There's a little white logo on that. That's our web logo. So web stands for the Worldwide Engineering Brigade, or web for short, because Worldwide Engineering Brigade is a mouthful. So clever. Um, <laughs> this is the first Disney attraction that's going to feature Spider-Man. So we did just see an image of what that's going to look like a second ago. And there's a lot to pick apart in this image, but this is basically an overview of what Avengers Campus is going to look like. Avengers Campus is a place that the Avengers have opened and built for us because there is a threat that has come to Earth and they need new recruits. So you guys get a chance to step inside for the first time ever an Avengers Campus and learn and work with all of their technology and training skills and become like the Avengers. Oh man. Yeah. So we're going to awesome. dig in a little bit. I know, right? This is So I love this because growing up watching Marvel films and animation, X-Men in the 90s was my entry level. This is my gateway into this beautiful world. Um, and, and seeing these characters and becoming so familiar with them for so many years, we get a chance now to step into one of these facilities and see what really makes it tick. So that last image is actually what we call, I mean, at Marvel, we have to go in phases, right? So we have phase one opening next year. <laughs> phase two will bring us inside of this, which is Avengers headquarters. So if you look really carefully, you can see Cap and Black Widow uh, running across the rooftops there. So one of the things that we felt like was really important as we started working on, on the concept for this campus, if you were to walk inside of Avengers Campus and not see or have the opportunity to have a heroic encounter with these heroes, I think I would personally feel a little bit let down. So that's something that we have really focused on is having the Avengers and so many of our other Marvel characters there are over 8,000 of them at this point, uh, there for you to interact with and see in action. So phase two, <laughs> phase two will culminate uh, in an, an adventure where you actually get to fight alongside the Avengers in an epic finale. <laughs> I'm going to hope uh, it's going to look Sandra's just Sandra's like face. <laughs> We're working on a lot of cool stuff for you guys. I I'm know. Like super excited. A lot of cool stuff. Uh, I just want to say that I am so excited for this. Uh, the kid in me wants to ride all of those rides. Okay. Great job. You sold it. That was a great yeah. job of selling. For her first time panel, let's give Beth a round of applause. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. You've never heard that before, have you? <laughs> So, Marsha, you're working, making all kinds of animation. I know we're going to talk about Rising a little bit later. Yeah. But why don't you tell us about some new stuff that we just announced, what's going on. I'm super excited about it. What's happening? What's happening? Okay. Hi, everybody. Who likes TV? Oh, oh I think more of you like TV than you just clapped. Um, <laughs> we're excited about everything, but we're excited about a couple of new projects. The first one I was going to talk to you about is called Spidey and His Amazing Friends, which we are producing for the Disney Junior platform to start airing in 2021. And that is Marvel's first ever full-length preschool series. Yeah, come on. I'm more of an awe. It's, true. it's adorable. Aww. It's adorable. 
And we're really excited about it. This is the first time we are ever producing. We pre produced shorts for the preschool uh, crowd before, but we have never done a full animated series for them, and this is it. And it follows the adventures of Spidey, of Miles, and of Ghost Spider. And they're going to fight villains. They're going to meet Marvel heroes. They're going to solve problems in their neighborhood. And they're going to help their community in general. And the designs are absolutely adorable. Just really cute. And, um, it looks and it's so been, good. It, it it's, been awesome. really, it's been really fun. It looks beautiful. It's going to be CGI. And the stories, while simplified for the younger audience, are still filled with the same heart and same action and same everything. We're just bringing it to a, a very young audience and trying to make the stories, you know, relevant for them and also just simplifying things. But it's still got all of the marvelness that you would expect from any other Marvel TV show. And uh, it's great to sort of bring in a new generation of fans from a very early, early age. And the other show that we're now currently working on is Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. <laughs> We love them. This is a, a Disney TV animation, Marvel uh, Animation Family Entertainment, and uh, Lawrence Fishburne's company, Cinema Gypsy, which also produces Blackish. We all are getting together and we are bringing Moon Girl to life for television. It's a full series for that. And it will, as expected, feature the uh, exploits of uh, Lunella Lafayette and her 10-ton uh, dinosaur, devil dinosaur, as they basically solve crime and seek justice on New York's Lower East Side. Hey. It's got a really, really, really cool, uh, also one of the executive producers along with us, a gentleman by the name of Steve Loader, who all uh, did Kim Possible, and uh, he has got an amazing visual style. So this is going to look different than I think anything we've ever done, but I think anything probably you've seen in, in kids' animation. It's, it's just really fun, it's really vibrant, it's, it's urban, it's cool, it's got great music, and uh, I think it's gonna be really, really, really exciting. It will not be your sort of traditional superhero show. It's got uh, uh, a lot of comedy, a lot of edge, and uh, we're really, really excited about that. And both of these shows sort of uh, represent for us as an animation division, along with, with Marvel Rising, is this growing trend. It's sort of a quantum leap in animation, especially kids' animation, which are female-forward projects with strong female characters as the lead. Um, you know, Marvel as a company has always been, has always been creating and putting forth uh, great female characters. Um, but in the past, especially in kids' animation, there was a sort of general consensus, which is boys won't watch it. If you have a girl in the lead, boys won't watch it. Same thing with films, actually, up until recently with, you know, even superhero films. So that was the idea. And so every time you'd want to put, you know, something with more female characters or you'd want to do a female hero. What you heard, because I was an animation writer for 18 years before I came to this job, boys won't watch it. Boys don't care. And my feeling is that boys didn't care because we didn't give them anybody to care about. Um, so, yeah. 
So, um, I mean, you know, if you elevate the female characters and just, you know, we're not trying to turn these female characters into men. We're just presenting them as people, fully formed, intelligent, powerful people. And, and so that's a, that's a and, and if young women, young girls can see each other on the screen as they feel, as they're meant to be, as capable as they know that they are, then they can actually relate to the, to the screen. And if you give boys and young men a character that is just as strong and kicks ass with the boys and doesn't need saving, doesn't need rescuing, and isn't an annoying little sister or doesn't bug them all the time, which is what we've sort of been treated to in the animation business historically, you're gonna have an entire generation, all genders, all races, which also are being represented now in animation, you're going to give them where they're not going to see it. They're not going to see gender on the screen. They're just going to respond to the characters as they are and not the little boxes we've always put them in, into before. So I think that's, uh, that's a quantum leap. And I'm... So, and I'm... I'm just really proud that Marvel is leading that way. I mean, we have a lot of female executives. The animation department is two-thirds female. Uh, you see all these wonderful women up here. Marvel's always been, been supportive of that. And, you know, so I, I'm proud of being part of this tide, I think we all are, that's turning right now. Another thing is, and I was talking to my mentor, best friend, Mackenzie Cadenhead, who's in the audience also. I like to call out everyone I know. <laughs> but we were talking about this yesterday, just about the idea that, like, parents also, it's your responsibility to encourage even your boys to like the female characters and that it's okay and it's not a big deal because they're just as great and as powerful and awesome. Right. It's interesting because I think, you know, as, a, as an animation person, as an animation writer, or, you know, just as a, as a person who knows kids, my nephew or other friends' kids, you know, there are a lot of boys who love those characters. They watch Kim Possible. They watch Powerpuff Girls. They'll watch those things. I worked on a show called The Life and Times of Juniper Lee for Cartoon Network, which was fantastic. Thank you. And uh, there were boys who watched that, but what happened is, is that a friend of mine told me, you know, they walked in and their son was watching it, and he turns around and he goes, don't tell anybody. And that's what we want to, it's adorable, but that's what we want to remove from this, is the fact that there isn't anything that anybody has to hide about the fact that they're watching girl characters and liking them. Thank you, Marsha. Sure, thanks. Um, Make sure you listen, watch, play read everything that these... Was that you learning English? What was was that? Just do all of the things. So I want to thank you all for coming. I wish we could answer all of your questions. Thank you to our amazing panelists for joining us. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Now, if you guys are in the audience and you're just finding out about The Woman of Marvel, make sure you go to marvel.com slash podcast. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Come find videos of us. We've got an Instagram. You can email us at womanof at marvel.com. Come find us. We're so thankful that you guys come back every single year. Yeah.